Hello, I'm Leah Potter. I'm Meredith Roten, and we are two news editors at the GW Hatchet. This is the Hatchet's podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, a weekly podcast from the second oldest newspaper in D.C. covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. Liz Conacher is back with us this week to tell us about how courses have changed about a year after Trump was elected. Thanks for having me back. We originally wrote this story because we were looking at the timeline of when uh, President Donald Trump was elected. So it's been about a year since he was officially elected into office. And there was a Chronicle article about how academics had changed as a result of the election. So we wanted to look at GW's academics and the classes that are being taught and see how the curriculum had changed to reflect the changing times. And what classes specifically were you looking at? So we looked at a wide variety of courses over a lot of different disciplines, but we focused on things that would obviously change as a result of administration's policies. So we looked at some economics classes. We have a professor from the sociology department who spoke a little bit about their dean seminar that they're teaching. And just courses like that, that incorporate things from the current legislature and history as well. And what were they saying in terms of how this new presidential administration was comparing to past administrations and how that would impact uh, what they wanted to tell their students? One of the professors that we spoke with, Professor Jill Castle, she teaches a course in public policy and public administration, and she was looking specifically at checks and balances and how she could incorporate things that are going on in the current administration within her coursework. For example, she has now really focused on the president's power, um, his power to veto, for example, and there are lots of policies that she put in her midterm. She used them as examples that students could be tested on, and it was just a way to incorporate something that we read about every day in the news with um, her curriculum and her course. Okay, so from my understanding, it sounds like students are going to be studying for their exams a little bit differently now. Yeah, I think that students will have to start looking at current events a little bit differently, especially because there are so many things in the news now about President Trump, his policies, his suggestions for policies, and that was reflected in Professor Jill Castle's midterm as well when she tested students on the transgender military ban. It's just a way to bring current events into the classroom in a way that is really engaging and maybe not something that has been done as much in the past. Had professors made any of these uh, sorts of changes under the Obama administration when he was first elected, or is this something that's more of a new concept under Trump? So I think that professors always try to incorporate those current events in some way, but I think what we're seeing now with the Trump administration is a really important change in curriculum towards checks and balances, towards things that people are wondering about that maybe they didn't wonder about in the Obama administration, for example. So students asking questions like, what can the president really do? How will his policies affect me? Um, How many things can he repeal? And things of that nature. And I think that that is really being reflected in courses more than it has been in the past. And seeing how this story was kind of inspired by an article in the Chronicle, what were the main takeaways in that story and kind of how did that direct you in writing this new one? Yeah, so that story really looked at how professors and the world of academia can prepare students for today's politics. And so what they were doing was compiling a survey that professors could take, um, asking them questions like how had they changed their coursework, How are they reflecting current events within their syllabi and things of that nature? 
but they also did some reporting and saw that a lot of academics were already talking about how they were changing their courses nationwide. And so we wanted to look at that on a micro level and see exactly how GW fit into that puzzle. Were there any professors who were kind of hesitant about changing their courses under Trump? So there was one professor of economics and international affairs, Joseph Pelsman, and he was talking about how it was really important to change courses to reflect current events, particularly in an economics course where people in the administration might enact certain policies that could really have an effect on the economy. But he was saying specifically how the current administration hadn't done anything substantial enough for him to change his syllabus, and he hadn't done so as a result. Well, thank you, Liz, for coming back on this week to share your insight on academics. Be sure to keep us updated on how courses are changing under Trump. I'm here with Leah, and she's going to take us on a trip to the Virginia Science and Technology Campus. A couple of weeks ago, I ventured out to the Virginia Science and Technology Campus, and it's about an hour, I'd say, to get there. A hike. A bit of a hike. And you can take a shuttle bus, which runs every few hours. It doesn't run as frequently as uh, the VEX, which is for the Mount Vernon campus. But essentially, the Virginia campus houses part of the nursing school. It also uh, is home to a lot of different research spaces. It's more known for being a research campus, less academic work uh, with students in the classroom. But... I was really there to get a sense of what the campus vibe was, what the campus culture was, because this is something that both past and present administrators have said that they're sort of uncertain what the campus's identity really is. But what did you find when you went there? When I went there and walking around the campus, it's actually a very beautiful area, uh, different grassy areas. It's next to kind of uh, sort of a small patch of woods. It's pretty desolate and a very quiet it's peaceful but it's very quiet and you don't see a lot of students walking around the researchers who are there are kind of tucked away in their offices and their labs they're not really interacting with anyone and it's pretty secluded too it's sitting next to this big highway so you can't really walk anywhere and it's definitely a very different feel from the foggy bottom campus but can you kind of explain what this identity crisis is for the campus Yeah, so essentially administrators aren't sure what the identity of the campus should be and how they can develop a strong campus culture where students feel engaged, faculty feel engaged, and they feel like there is a connection between the Virginia campus and the Foggy Bottom campus. This is not a new thing. Like, students have complained in the past about places like the Vern, which is Mm -hmm. technically a part of campus, and it they said it also feels kind of isolated. So what is it like compared to the Vern? Yeah, honestly, when I was there, I thought it was just kind of like a larger version of the Mount Vernon campus, you know, aesthetically pleasing, but kind of vacant and not a lot of student activity. What did administrators kind of say to defend the campus? Administrators were saying that this campus was still a work in progress. So they did admit that There is not a clear identity for the campus, but they said that they're working towards creating spaces where students can feel more of a sense of community. And they also said that the campus is really more a home for research and that it's going to come across that way and not so much, I guess, student-oriented to just an outside perspective. But they did say that they're hoping to make improvements in the future. Did you find any people who were big fans of the campus? 
Yeah, so after speaking to Pamela Jeffries, who is dean of the nursing school, also nursing school professors, students in the nursing school, one thing that they really value with the Virginia campus is how much space they have, and this allows them to have these fairly large uh, lab practical rooms that basically look like hospital patient rooms. They have a dummy in there, they have equipment that they can practice on. Um, That was something I was very impressed with when I saw just how much space they have, and they couldn't have that on the Foggy Bottom campus just because it's so crowded. Here's Jordan Pavia, who was a nursing student in her second month of the 15-month bachelor's program, who said that there were some benefits to being on campus in Virginia, away from the city. I think that we do have all the resources that we need. We have enough space. I know it's very congested on Foggy Bottom, mm-hmm. but just all the different schools, all the students, so it's nice to be out here, and we have um, access to a bunch of hospitals for our clinicals. Um, I, I think that this school is... It's been like an amazing experience so far, and I wish that there was more, um, maybe a a presence, even though we're not on the campus, but other than that, um, it's, we have, it's a great environment here. Also looking too to the amount of research they're doing out there, they have these huge lab spaces, and when I was there, I saw one that was essentially like an earthquake simulator, which I thought was really cool and something that isn't, again, it isn't present on the Foggy Bottom campus just for a sheer lack of space. You were talking about shuttle buses to get there earlier. Are there any other ways to get to the Virginia campus? Yeah, I mean, you can take the metro part of the way. It doesn't take you directly there. You can also take an Uber and spend $100 like I did on (laughs) going there back and forth. But most students, again, are not taking an Uber, they're not taking the Metro, they're going to be taking the VSTC shuttle buses. One complaint that we did hear was that the buses weren't running that often, and so students felt like it was really hard to coordinate their schedules and say there was a seminar going on on Foggy Bottom, but they were still doing a research project on the VSTC campus. They felt like they had to pick one or the other, and then that was kind of a point of conflict for them in terms of scheduling. I also spoke with another nursing school student, Devin Doss, who said that she did see some of the benefits of being away from Foggy Bottom, but that she really missed some of the nightlife and the activities going on in a bustling city. Well, I think there's like pros and cons to it. So like, you know, it's good that we're kind of isolated, you know, like we're not in the middle of DC. Like, you know, I can't just like go get a drink with my friends or something Mm -hmm. because I do need to study. But it's also like when I don't have time, I do have to drive an hour see my friends. Yeah, it seems like there's definitely a lack of community on this campus as compared to Foggy Bottom. Yeah, we also spoke with a graduate student who said walking through the halls of the different buildings, he just felt very lonely and that he wasn't really connecting with any other students. Yeah. And I've actually heard of people accidentally getting on the VSTC shuttle bus instead of the VEX. Yes, I have done that at least twice. And I really should know better at this point, Um, but it's terrifying because people are talking about Virginia as you're sitting there and you're like, oh no, I'm on the wrong bus. And you're you're stuck on a, you would be stuck stuck on a bus. You're stuck on the bus for an hour. It's about, it's more than 30 miles outside of Foggy Bottom. But what if you got on there accidentally, you made it all the way to the Virginia campus, how long would it be before you got back? You might be waiting two hours. Wow. Thanks for going to that campus and exploring. Yeah, of course. Happy to do it. I'm here with our culture editor, Liz Preventure, to talk about a student group on campus who recently dropped their second album. Yeah, so the band that we featured this week is called The Colonies, and it's made up of four juniors on campus 
who started this after meeting at CI. Cute. And what kind of music do they play? So they have kind of a more indie rock sound, and it's pretty, like, guitar and drum heavy. And they actually just released their second album, like you said, which is called One of a Kind. That's really cute that they met at CI. How did that happen? Yeah, so two of the original founders who are still in the group, Peter Stevens and Joey Mamelin, they met at CI and they were assigned randomly as roommates. And so they met there and then they decided to start this band. So um, after CI, they both went home for the summer and started making some of their first songs together. Like Pete would sing from home and record that and then Joey would play the drums and they'd kind of piece the parts together after in the editing process to make some of their first songs. They just dropped this new album, but what else have they been doing this year? So just last month, they performed at Songbird, which is a music venue in Adams Morgan. But then before that, they've been kind of collaborating with different groups at Songbird. They co-headlined with another GW-based band called Redline. And then they also just collaborated with Rough Cut Productions, which is a student-run film production group, to make their first music video. I've actually watched the music video, and I have a lot of questions. <laughs> so what was the inspiration for the music video? So they said that they really wanted to do something that wasn't just straightforward. Like, it wasn't just them, a video of them performing like they would be any other way. So then... Definitely it? wasn't that. <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't that. So the music video is for their song, Our Troubles Going Away, and it's a song about a breakup. So it starts off with this couple and then kind of tells the story of the new couple. And actually the girl like breaks it off after finding out that her boyfriend is obsessed with this like furry fetish culture. (laughs) Is that supposed to be a metaphor or something? What is it? (laughs) They said it doesn't reflect the actual relationship they were singing about. check out the rest of their album where can i get it it's on spotify and soundcloud awesome thanks for coming on and talking to us about the colonies of course thanks meredith getting to the bottom of it is hosted by news editors leah potter and meredith roten and features culture editor liz preventure this podcast is produced by assistant video editor ariana dunham Managing Editor Tyler Loveless and Assistant Copy Editor Emma Terrell. Music was provided by Ulk Studios. Special thanks to Liz Conacher for joining us on Getting to the Bottom of It. See you next week. <laughs>